are the needs of this neighborhood uh, and, and how can we fill them? Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me as always, we got Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. It's a beautiful Wednesday in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the weather's turning and it's going to be ski season before you know it. So I'm excited. Um, so anything new, Matt, these days? Uh, no, not too much. I'm just uh, looking for deals. I just uh, pulled my money out of Bitcoin and reinvesting that into real estate. So I'm excited about that. A deal that we have going on uh, that you put on. Bitcoin. I don't have any Bitcoin. I go back and forth on it. I I was going to buy some Bitcoin back when it was like $3,000 for a Bitcoin. And then it went up to like 30000 and whatever it went up to. And then I went back down and thought I should buy some Bitcoin. And I didn't. And then it shot way back up. And I I just, uh, you know, I'm sure plenty of listeners are, are, they love it. They have it. And I'm sure there's other listeners who are the same as me where they just don't really know uh, if it's a real currency or not, um, for the future, I guess. Um, and, and I guess I'm, I'm fine with being proven complete and I'm not saying it isn't. So I I don't want to say it's not, and it's a joke and you shouldn't do it, but I'm fine with being shown that I was completely uh, wrong and missed the boat Mm -hmm. because quite frankly, what I'm focused on is doing just fine. And it works well for me. And that's real estate. So I'm going to focus on what I know. I'm going to be really, really good at it. And I'm going to let other people focus on Bitcoin. And those other people might make millions of dollars more than me, but that's okay. Yeah. I mean, with real estate, you you, you know it. So you should stick with what you know. And then also you have some control over it. Whereas like Bitcoin or the stock market, like how much do you personally have control over that? Like, Well, with with. Bitcoin, especially, or, or any crypto, you have very little control. Now people can say, well, I mine it myself. Okay, well, sure. But you still, you really have no control over it. Um, with the stock market, same thing. Yeah, you're right. You don't really have much control over it. Now, what you do have control over is you can look at their the business's financials. You can understand where their philosophy is, who the leaders of the company are, and get a better understanding of it, of the industry, and then whether they're going to be profitable or not. So I think in the stocks, although most people don't go through that whole process, uh, if you do, I think you have a pretty good chance of being successful. Where with crypto, you're kind of taking a, not kind of, you are taking a gamble that those coins are going to be around for the future. Yeah. And, you know, I, this, this relates to our, our topic for the day, which is about uh, how to turn a bad deal into a, or a bad or mediocre deal into a good deal. Uh, because with real estate, like we said, you have some control over it. There are things you can do to make it go your way. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, Every deal is not a great deal. We sometimes get in these deals and we think it's going to be great, but it ends up just not going as planned. Might be because the location was worse than you thought, 
or um, the, you know, maybe, maybe the management company that you hired is not doing their job. Uh, residents uh, end up leaving because there's too many repairs or uh, you've got some something weird going on with the property. You've got, uh, maybe you've got water getting into the, the, the units in, in the, you know, underground. Um, you've got, uh, you've got leaks in the roof. You didn't really plan on, uh, the boiler or the, the AC is, is causing major issues. Uh, you know, just so many different little things that can happen. I had a, I had a building that had old plumbing and we had con constant continual plumbing issues with this building. Um, stuff like that. So there's just so many different things that can go wrong. And if you own enough real estate that will eventually go wrong. So you have to know what are some things I can do to try to pivot, to make money, to break even, to make sure we're keeping our head above water. Yeah. I mean, well, if you just ignore those problems, won't they just go away? Yeah, right. But they always just go away. Eventually, they solve themselves, right? Oh, right. No, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. The the worst thing to do is to ignore your problems, thinking they're going to go away. Um, try to sell it real quick. Now, that can be a strategy, but uh, for the most part, the next person's going to find out what's going on, and they're not going to want to buy the building from you. Um, so you do have to fix your problems, whatever that might be. And and there's, so there's different solutions depending on the problem. But overall, if you've got a mediocre, bad performing property, you've really got to understand what's happening with that property. Why is it bad performing and what can you do to fix it? There's certain things that you can fix and certain things that are either cost prohibitive to fix or like you can't fix a location. So with that, you have to work within the boundaries that you have and you have to find ways to be creative to try to at least get that property to a position to where you can sell it. And what are some of those common things that you, you know, creatively find solutions for? Um, you know, so I, I don't want to, I don't know how creative some of these are, but you know, look, I mean, if you've got a property in a poor location is poor performing, um, maybe you, uh, change your resident profile. So maybe your residents right now, are not on government assistance. So maybe you have, maybe you start really focusing on government assistance programs. Maybe you're in an area that attracts refugees. So maybe you focus on a refugee program. Um, maybe you're uh, in, in an area that has a lot of people that are English with this as, as their second language. And so you focus on catering to them, creating programs for them that'll attract those residents that maybe can start paying the bills for you um, and filling up your property. Uh, so those are, those are some examples. Think, thinking about what the demographic needs in the area um, and, and filling that need for them. Uh, maybe it could be just a management play. Maybe the management company you hired is not very good at low-income uh, bad kind of, I don't want to call them bad areas, but you know, and maybe it is a bad area, but, but th that type of area. Right. And so maybe you need to 
get rid of that management company, fire that management company and hire a different management company that does specialize in that specific neighborhood that could do a really good job. So we got to think about what our problem is again, and what are some of the needs in the neighborhood? And then who's actually in charge? Can they implement your game plan? So it sounds like the strategy is to pivot uh, and adjust your strategy to the market conditions. Yeah, you want to pivot as quickly as possible, for sure. Um, the longer you, the longer you just go, hopefully this works. Uh, the long, the the worse it's going to get. Right? Hope is not an answer. You've got to take action. You've got to get again. You got to get creative, or you got to get uh, just you got to have to be real with what's going on. And understand that there are solutions to the problem, but uh, with any property, uh, we have to figure out what the what the market wants and what the needs are in the market, and we have to find those solutions. What do you consult with to figure out some things that you need to change? Uh, could be could be multiple people. Um, so the city is a great you know, a resource saying, Hey, we've got, you know, property in this neighborhood and um, we really want to serve the neighborhood. What are the needs of this neighborhood? Uh, and, and how can we fill them? Neighborhood groups, most neighborhoods have groups. Um, neighborhood groups are, can be very good. Uh, if, if you already know some of the needs, then getting with those groups. So, like I said, if it's uh, English as a second language, there's likely, um, let's call it a Hispanic, right? There's likely Hispanic uh, groups in that neighborhood, in that city that have programs or that would love to have a program to be able to serve um, that demographic, right? If it's a refugee, there's probably a refugee program somewhere, some assistance program. Uh, maybe you can serve their needs. Hey, what are the biggest needs that these refugees have um, and how can we serve them better? So uh, listening to your community, uh, listening to the community leaders, listening to the nonprofits, the organizations that are around, um, property management company, if you have a good property management company, consulting with them, trying to really brainstorm what are the best uh, action steps to, to change um, the performance of the property. Yeah, I know the more people that you can serve and the better quality of service you can provide them, the more money you're going to make as a result. Yeah, yeah. just like Jeff Bezos. I mean, a lot of people appreciate uh, using Amazon, and, you know, so he naturally makes a lot of money from that. Yep. Matt, Matt, also, you know, we talk about area and we've focused on bad areas, but there's also good areas and mm -hmm. you might be struggling in a good area or a, or a um, you know, kind of average area. And there might be things, again, you can get creative. You can find out what that area's needs are. Uh, you can create um, different programs um, to try to try to bring in more residents. Uh, you, can you can potentially even change how you're leasing the building out. Maybe you're leasing it long-term leases, but the neighborhood really desires a different type of lease. And so maybe that's a short-term rental. Maybe it's a corporate rental. Um, you know, so Airbnb. Uh, so there's there's many different ways you can make more money or different kinds of money. Uh, maybe you can rent by the bedroom versus by the apartment, 
right? And so let's say you've got a single family house. It's got four bedrooms. Maybe the best answer is to not rent that four that single family house to a family. Maybe it's to rent by the individual bedroom or even an apartment building. Maybe you got two or three bedrooms. Maybe you're renting by the individual bedroom versus um, by the unit itself. And so you just have to look at what's going on in that neighborhood, what the needs are. And sometimes it's also just trying different things. Hmm. That makes sense. Okay. We want to increase revenue, right? And, and so if we got a poor performing property, there's two reasons or there's two solutions. Increase revenue, decrease expenses. Those are the two things um, that you need to do. Maybe you need to do both. You got to figure out how to do at least one of them. Um, and so just, again, thinking about what the best revenue generation is, is going to help you. Maybe you can lease out storage because you've got garages and none of the tenants are leasing the garages, but the community would definitely lease your garages. Um, maybe you've got storage within the units, or maybe you're not charging for garages. Um, maybe you can start charging utility chargebacks, rubs, we call it. Okay. Ratio utility billing where we're charging the tenants part of the utilities. So there's just so many different solutions you, you've got to think of and understand what what the demographics are in, in around your community and, and what the needs are and, and what they're going to accept too, right? So, so some areas aren't going to accept rubs. Residents aren't going to pay for their own utilities. That's just not going to happen. So we don't implement it. But other residents are like, that's just what they expect. You can't potentially, potentially you can't raise rents, but you could do a utility chargeback and effectively that means you're getting more income. Yeah, you've said many times that uh, decreasing expenses is often the thing that you have more control about that you can do immediately, and it's going to be longer lasting for the bottom line. What well, controlling your expenses are always the most long profitable long term. Um, you know, especially if we think about a recession uh, happening, expenses aren't going to just just continue to go up during a recession. Uh, the only expense that you should be careful too about controlling too much is your repair and maintenance. You should be controlling that, but you should be doing it in a way where you're not um, compromising the property, right? That's a, that's a dangerous expense control. But if we can control your utility expenses, if we can control uh, the maintenance and repair, but again, to a certain extent, um, those, are, those are huge uh, especially utilities um, are huge to be able to control. Yeah. And turnover costs are huge as well. So anything you turnover can do to keep your massive. residents happy. Yeah. Turnover costs are, are, are amazing how expensive they are. And so that's another thing, like wh what are we doing to keep our residents in our buildings? And when we talk about a bad performing property, well, likely it's because you're not getting enough income or you have too many expenses. And so how can we keep our residents in the buildings? What are some of the things we can do? So, um, and I want to go back to the property management company. Is that property management company effective? Are they leasing the property out quickly? Or are units sitting vacant? Are they getting to repairs and maintenance fast? Or are they going on and on and on causing further damage or causing residents to get irritated? The number one complaint 
by any resident in renting in a single family or multifamily building is repairs to their unit and to the building overall. The number one reason people leave is not because they went and bought a house. It's not because they got married. It's not because they wanted to move in with a different, um, different um, roommate. It's, it, it's not because they got relocated for their job. Number one reason people leave is because of repairs and maintenance to their building and to their unit. And the property management is not uh, performing and doing that uh, quickly enough or well enough, then people are going to move. People are going to move. So and if, if you want to take that turnover from being at 40% a year down to 30% a year, just take care of your residents. It's as simple as that. That's huge. That's huge. I mean, that that's going to save you a lot of money. Your, your average turnover is probably about a thousand bucks per unit. And so if you can save 10%, it's a hundred unit building. You got 10 units that you don't have to spend a thousand bucks. That's 10 grand. And if the property management is not performing and you can't get them up to speed, you know, sometimes fire just, them. yeah, fire them, replace them with somebody who can. And often that's all it takes to really get your property under control. Yeah. And I, 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 look, effective communication and all of this, if you got a bad performing property or a mediocre performing property, effective communication is huge. And so you got to look at yourself in the mirror too. Are you effectively communicating? Do you have a good business plan set up? Did, do you really understand what's going on in the property and what the problems are? And are you talking to the property manager about the solutions? If you're not effectively communicating, well, then it's, then it's your fault. Well, it's always your fault. If the building's not performing properly, it's, it's ultimately it's your fault. So you have to be the solution. You can't just assume everybody else is going to fix it for you. You have to figure out how to fix it and you have to make sure the people are implementing that you hired to implement. And if they're not, you got to change it again. You got to fix it. So. Yep. Great advice. And I mean, there's Matt, there's all kinds of other stuff we could dive into with, with the poor performing property. But I think uh, one of the biggest things is when you are looking at buying a property, really dive in deep in your due diligence and understand what you're getting from the start. Uh, the, I had, I, like I said, I had a property that had all kinds of plumbing repair issues. Had I really dug in and not ignored what was going on at the property or what likely was going on at the property, I either A, wouldn't have bought that building or I would have got a better discount on the building. And I would have understood that plumbing was likely an issue. There was signs when I look back at that and I, I ignored them. And so it was my fault. You need to be looking closely at these properties to figure out what's happening. Recently, we walked away on a deal. We talked about that in a previous episode. And I knew there was going to be plumbing issues. And that's part of why our budget was so big is because I realized what was going on at the property. And we needed to take care of those plumbing issues. So we budgeted a large portion of our renovation to be able to actually truly solve the plumbing issue issues going on at the property because we dug deep 
right? And we dug deep and we found other issues with the property. So dig deep and understand what's going on. Understand what's happening in the neighborhood. Understand what's happening at the property specifically. And understand the solutions you have and how much time they're going to take, how much energy and how much, um, how much money it's going to cost you. Really understand the neighborhood, what's going on in the neighborhood. No one understand what you need to do to get that property rented. No one understand what you need to do to make a profit. And maybe you can't in that neighborhood, or at least you can't the way you want to do it. And so you, you don't buy a deal there. So you got to really understand what you're getting yourself into. Uh, I think that's the most important part is you have to prepare. And you have to buy it right too. If you overpay for a bad property, then often it doesn't matter what else you do. You're still going to be screwed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people look, the market is frothy right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to sit here and say it's going to crash because quite frankly, I, I, I actually don't think it is. But a lot of people want real estate because they understand that real estate performs really well in an inflationary period. And so they want real estate. So they're jumping into real estate. And a lot of these people are jumping into real estate without thinking. And they're good, and they're buying these properties. And somebody's going to end up buying this property that we walked away with, walked away from. They're going to probably buy it for more than what we were willing to pay. They're probably going to buy it for more than what we even had it under a contract for. And they're going to be totally up a creek mm-hmm. without a paddle because they're, they weren't prepared. They were too excited to buy this building. There's a lot of exuberance. And when exuberance happened, people turn a blind eye to what issues or potential issues lie ahead. And you just can't do that. Not, not to tell you to be scared, right? I don't, want to, I don't want to instill fear into people and tell you not to go buy real estate, right? Because there's, we can never be 100% prepared. We can never come up with every single problem that could happen. And if we did, we just would never buy, right? Because <laughs> there, there's hundreds of problems that could happen to every single building. Um, but we just have to know what the major problems are that are, are truly going to be happening. And how do, we, how do we fix those? Are we buying it at the right price point to be able to fix those problems that are coming, right? The plumbing issues that I was talking about, had I, had I budgeted a few hundred thousand dollars for the plumbing, it would have been no big deal, right? That, that means I would have had to buy it for a little bit less. That's okay. But I would have budgeted for it and no big deal. Now my plumbing issues and, and my my you know, the tears would have gone away. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I, I see that happen so often where, where people are overpaying for properties right now. Uh, you know, I, I refuse to get my investors money into a, a deal that is, has high risk of failure. I, I'd rather not have a deal than to get into a bad deal that I can't control. Yeah, and, and overpaying is an interesting word uh, to mm-hmm. use, and, and it's hard to quantify that because um, I look at a few people um, that are in the syndication uh, industry and are you know, pretty well known, and I would say they pay crazy amounts for buildings. Uh, I would never invest in their deals. 
However, they've done really well. And why is that? Because the markets allowed them to do really well. They're very sloppy investors. I shouldn't say very sloppy. They're, they're very aggressive investors. Um, but maybe they're geniuses. Maybe they're really smart because the market has done really well. And they've been able to make their investors a lot of money. Now, eventually, I think they're going to get caught. But maybe I'm wrong. And so it's hard to say people are overpaying when they're making a ton of money overpaying and they're doing really well overpaying for these properties. Yeah. For me, overpaying means that uh, somebody is, uh, if in order for a property to uh, make money, everything has to go perfectly at the price point, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's just too high risk. Like, you know, if there's a downturn or. Matt, I I agree with you and I'm not, I don't want to, I'm not trying to argue with that position because yes, I agree. A lot of people in, in your definition there are, are overpaying because they do have to have everything go perfectly. But what's happened is everything has gone perfectly mm-hmm. and everything's gone perfectly or more than that, right? It's gone even better than you could ever have imagined. Rents are going up in some markets by 15 to 20%. I mean, if Phoenix, Arizona went up by 29%. If you bought in Phoenix and you quote unquote overpaid, Right now, you underpaid because rents are going up so fast. Cap rates are going down so quickly that you actually underpaid for your property. The seller shouldn't have sold it to you for that price. They should have gotten 10, 15% more. And, and so same thing with some of these, these other markets. The seller sold it for way too little. Right. You, you got a great deal, but it looked just a few months ago, like you got a horrible deal. I mean, there, there's people that have outbid me by 20, 30% on deals. Again, same thing, but people that most people listening to this would actually know people that have their own podcasts, people that have big social media followings have crushed me, but yet the rents are going up by 20% and they look like geniuses right now. They're doing really well because it's gone perfect and better than perfect. But I can't, I just, for me, I can't buy like that. I, I, I'm not aggressive enough to buy like that. And I'd rather be good for them, but I'd rather have peace of mind when I come in and buy these properties, knowing that things don't have to go perfect and I'll we'll still do okay. Yeah, because the market is something you cannot control and you can't predict uh, necessarily either. No, because uh, I I read just the other day um, that the market's going to crash, right? I read the day before that, the market's going to go for seven to 10 more years. Uh, I read the day before that, that we're going to have a depression after we have this uh, inflationary period, we're going to have deflation, right? you know, I read the other day that inflation is going to continue to go on and we got to expect it to continue for three to five more years. Um, so what does that tell you? It tells you somebody's right and somebody's wrong. It's about a, a 50-50. Yep. All we can do is underwrite and pay attention to what we're doing and, and make the best decisions with the information we got. Good stuff. All right, All right man. We could keep on ranting and raving, but... Um, 
let's call it a let's call it a wrap. Unless you got anything else pressing you want to you want to cover. No, that's it for today. All right, man. Well, you have a fantastic rest of the day. Make every day Saturday. Thanks, you too. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. Your rating review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to venturedproperties.com, venturedproperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like, uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out. And, uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.